But I'm going to talk about this morning what I've entitled planting yourself in the house of God. Planting yourself in the house of God. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 92. In fact, I'm going to be reading out of several different portions today, but out of Psalm 92, I want to share a few things. There's a great series of verses here, Psalm 92, 12 through 15. When you're there, say, I'm there. Oh, great. If not, you can read from the screen overhead. Psalm 92, beginning with verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, David wrote the preponderance of the Psalms. And one thing we know about David is that David loved the Lord. In fact, it was said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. Now, I always remind people that in In the Bible, that verse that he loved God and that he was a man after God's heart happened early in the days of uh, David. Uh, Somewhere along the line, he got a little bit twisted and there were some things that happened in his life that certainly did not honor the Lord. But despite some of those sins and human frailties, there's a lot that he said and a lot that we can learn from him that uh, will help instruct us as to how we can best see God begin to work in our life. He was an example of what it means to desire and embrace the ways of God. Now, again, it doesn't mean that he was perfect. It's always interesting to me, though. They always use David as the picture, though, of the the messianic kingdom, the Messiah's kingdom. And so, you know, human beings have their frailties, but yet David still was used in great ways for God. And one of the things about David was that he loved the house of the Lord. He loved the house of the Lord. One of his first tasks as king was to restore the ark. Before he ever took over as king, he knew that Jerusalem would never be all that it should be. It would never be all that it could be until he went back into the Philistine camp and he restored uh, the ark into the center of Israel. And so he went and he got the ark, which represented the presence of God, and he brought it back into the city of Jerusalem. In fact, the scripture tells us that uh, he set up what I call a portable church. If you ever wondered if there was ever a biblical reference for a portable church, it's there when David brought the ark back. He literally sat up a, uh, a makeshift tabernacle in his backyard, and he put the ark under the tabernacle, and it was there that the worship of God took place in his backyard 24-7. He could get up any any moment in the day or the night, He could get up and he could go outside and he would find people worshiping the Lord and he could worship as well. In fact, David was the one who longed to build the temple. He longed to build the house of God. Uh, But as we would find out later, God told him that he wasn't to do that. He was just to begin to accrue all the, the, you know, the pieces and the equipment and the, the substance for the temple. And his son Solomon would eventually be the one that actually built the house. But David loved the house of God. In fact, he said in Psalm 122, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. 
Are you glad this morning you could come to the house of the Lord? I mean, David said, I was glad when they said the house was open. I was glad that I could go. Now, our family has for years. In fact, we've been in the ministry since, golly, I was 19 years old. I pastored my first church when I was 24 years old. I mean, we're talking decades we've been in the ministry. Uh, Trace grew up. Her dad was what they called a song evangelist. And he would hold camp meetings and other revival meetings. And she would often travel with him. And even during our days in college, usually on the weekend, we found ourselves somewhere either preaching or she oftentimes was singing. And so there, there has been just few times in our life that we haven't been associated in some form or fashion in the house of the Lord. And we're not just talking about on Sunday, but we're talking midweek services and if there's revival services or extended services. I mean, we were just always in the house of God. My children have grown up in the house of the Lord. Clayton, Tyler, and Kalen have all just been what some have called church rats. I mean, they grew up going to church. I'll never forget in their growing up years, there'd be extended meetings and we'd participate in those meetings. Lots of times, of course, the expectation was there because we were staff members. But at the same time, I, I fully believe even in the moments we weren't staff members, we were at church at extended meetings and times like this. And we'd bring their pillow. They come walking into church in the evening and they bring their pillows with them, walking into church and set their pillows under the seats. And, and they would literally go to sleep uh, during service, but they were in the house of the Lord. And, and can I just share this with you? Going to church too much doesn't hurt them. We call it making memories. In fact, they'll laugh these days about how they slept under the seats. And, it, and it's a memory in their, in their mind. And uh, David said, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. He said, better is being in the house of God than anywhere else. I know this is difficult to believe, but, but being in the house of God is better than being at williams Bryce Stadium. Ah, uh, now you're saying, oh, pastor. Better than being at Death Valley. Better is one day in your house than, than a thousand at the lake. Or a thousand at the harbor. Oh, listen to this. Or a thousand at the golf course. Sweet Jesus, the golf course. Don't. Better is one day than a thousand at Disney, than a thousand at Universal, than a thousand at Starbucks, than a thousand at Barnes and Noble. Better is one day in your house. There was something going on in David. He loved the house of the Lord. And you know, the early church followed that pattern as well. They loved to gather. In like fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that oftentimes they would gather from house to house meeting and then they would all gather up together under Solomon's portico. The best I understand about Solomon's portico was it was like a porch. And I started reading about this. And when you consider on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. And then about two days later, 5,000 families got saved. All I have to say to that is that was some porch. Because there were a lot of people meeting there. Not only would they meet house to house and be under Solomon's portico, but the scripture tells us that in the early days they would even continue to go and meet in the temple. So that's amazing how they just wanted to be around 
the house of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. They recognized their need to gather together. Now, it was so important, this gathering, that the Hebrew writer would later say, in fact, if you have your Bibles, you need to underline this one, especially especially when you wake up on Sunday morning and it's just hard to get out of bed and get going. Hebrews 10.25, throw it on the screen. It says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so we're commanded to assemble together. There is something that happens when we assemble together. The question is, why? Why does it work that way? What all goes on? Why plant yourself in the house of God? After all, you know, going to church doesn't save you. And that's true. If you come to church, it's not going to save you any more than you sleeping in a garage is going to turn you into a car. Jesus is the one who washes your sins away. But the house of the Lord cannot be overlooked. The gathering of the saints and the connection of a local body cannot be underestimated. You see, together we're called the body of Christ, which means that there's this incarnational effect that takes place when we gather together as the people of God. You can't be the body of Christ when you're never with other believers. There's something that happens when we're together that cannot happen when we're by ourselves. And you know, the scripture is interesting because there is the place for a personal relationship. Obviously, that's where it starts. You must have a, an individual personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot accept the Lord in group fashion. You must personally accept him in your life. But let me tell you, don't buy into that philosophy that says it's only about the individual. See, we've somehow got America and Bible crossed. You know, I've listened to great conservative commentators and talk about the rugged individualist and how we need to just make sure that all of our policies, you know, underscore individualism. Let me tell you, individualism has its place, but individualism isn't the whole gospel. There were some things the people of God could only accomplish together. There are things that even God, God withheld unless they were able to do this together. You see, that's why there's the church. And it's not just this ethereal, nebulous concept of church. I mean, I know people that say, well, yeah, I'm a part of the church because I'm a part of the body. Listen, you're, until you get connected, it's all theory. It's all just neat theory. There's a moment you've got to get in the hunt and you get connected with others and you link up and you do something for the kingdom together wherever it is God has placed you. Planning in a local church. Opens up the blessing opportunities that will absolutely blow your mind. Think about this. I've said this before. When the Israelites came to their promised land and they sent the 12 spies in, they came back with the report 10 to 2. There were giants in the land. We can't go in. God withheld them going into the land on the basis of 10. I always ask the question, well, gee, Lord, there was two that were ready to go in. And then certainly there had to be in that group of five million people, a couple other folks who probably were ready to go in. Why didn't you let them go in and let the rest of them spit sand? But you see, the whole point of it is, is that God was saying, no, there are some things you're going to have to link up as unto me and press in and do together. There are some things in your life that you'll never see take place until you determine you're going to link up with someone else. 
That's why there's about 61 another passages in the scripture. You can't, you can't do those scriptures unless you're connected with somebody else. Now it's interesting in the Psalms passage that I read to you that, that David compares his people, the believers, to trees. It says that, uh, in that particular passage in Psalms, it says that, uh, that the planning of the Lord, uh, or planning in the house of God, that you'll be like a tree. A tree. In other places in the scripture, he uses trees as well. In fact, it, it says, let all the trees of the field clap their hands. How many of you know trees? I've never seen any trees in my yard clap their hands. What that means is, he's saying that we are like trees and we're to be, we're to be planted. So what does planting mean? I put down two quick things here. What does planting mean? Number one, it means to let your roots go down into a soil. To let your roots go down into a soil. There's a great verse in Psalm 1, verse 3. It says this. It says concerning the righteous, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So the Bible says here that planting causes you to prosper. Planting causes you to drink of something that can nourish you and help you. I mean, what happens to a tree and what happens to a flower that isn't planted? This is like botany 101 here. It dies, doesn't it? It withers up and it eventually dies. The imagery there is being used to illustrate to you why some believers prosper and grow and while others wither and die. It is amazing to me, as just from my observation, that those that plant themselves, they plant themselves even in the house of the Lord, that it's amazing how they can begin to prosper and flourish and grow and make headway. But I'm telling you, those that choose not to do that, oftentimes I compare to, kud, uh, not kudzu, but uh, tumbleweed. Have you ever seen tumbleweed just go, and whatever way the wind blows, they go with it. But yet they're brittle and they're dry. It's because they're not planted. And so I believe we've got to let our roots get planted and sink deep. And a part of that planting is in a local church. So let your roots go down into a soil. And number two, what planting means is is that you need to keep transplanting to a minimum. Keep transplanting to a minimum. Now, uh, around our house, uh, we just we just mentioned this. We have the kiss of death when it comes to plants. I mean, you give us a plant. If you want to kill a plant, give it to the bears, and we'll we'll kill it. Uh, we just we just just uh, we just don't. You know, it's said that some people have a green thumb. You know, I don't know what color thumb you have when you just kill everything you touch. But um, we we have challenges when it comes to plants, and so oftentimes, and I don't know if Jimmy's here today, but Jimmy Kirby has a has a nursery, and oftentimes we'll go ask Jimmy some questions about plants, and he helps us out. And I didn't know this till he was telling me this one time, because we were moving some plants around, and uh, we had a Sega plant, a Sega palm that needed to move from one location to another location. And we were visiting about, you know, which one should move and which one should stay, and about transplanting it. And And he said to me that whenever you transplant, I don't know if it works for all plants this way, but when you transplant that Sega, you can do it. But apparently, through the transplanting, it shocks the system. And, and in that shock, you, it, it'll stays alive. It's not that it isn't staying alive. It's not that it isn't 
absorbing nutrients or those things. But because of the shock of the transplant, it can literally take months, perhaps even a year, to begin to grow again or flourish again. Now, I started to think about that, and I thought about planting in a local church. And I recognize, and I understand, and I want you to hear this carefully, that there are reasons. I understand there are reasons and seasons to change a local church. I mean, I I came to a place in a denomination that I was a part of that what God was doing in me didn't fit in those circles anymore. And so because it didn't fit in those circles anymore, there was a reason in order to transplant into a soil or a ground that better facilitated what God was wanting to do in my life. So I understand there are times and seasons. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time and a season for everything. And as a pastor, I'll be the first one to tell you that I love it when people come. Hallelujah. I mean, it's neat when they roll in. Now, I'll be honest with you, just because this is the flesh part, it's not as fun when they roll out. So I'm just being upfront and honest with you and say it's it's great when you see folks want to plant with you and what you're doing. And sometimes it can kind of sting and 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 even though it could be God, it's just it's just difficult to to release people. But I'm saying it out loud. There are reasons and seasons to change churches. There are reasons and seasons in people's lives. But listen to me when I tell you this, you need to do your best to keep transplanting to a minimum. You can do it, but I honestly believe it sort of it sort of shocks your system. And it takes a while to get your roots in again and in order to begin to flourish and to prosper. And so while it may be your season, just understand that as you transplant, you need to say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to drink and I'm going to receive. I'm going to be nourished in order that I can grow and flourish and, and be everything that I am supposed to be. So you need to keep transplanting, I think, to a minimum. Now, in Psalm uh, that I read to you this morning, there are some benefits that the writer takes on here. In Psalm 92, if you have it again, there are some benefits that the writer puts to us here. And I kind of put this in contrast to tumbleweed. This is what happens, he says, to those who are planted in the house of the Lord. What are some of the benefits? I'm going to run through this real quickly this morning. Some benefits of planting. He says this, you shall flourish in the courts of your God. In other words, number one, that when you plant in the house of the Lord, the favor of God will begin to open up to you. You will begin to flourish. When you get in God's house, there's a flourishing that can take place. God can open doors for you. God can begin to favor you. God can begin to do things I believe that he couldn't do in any other way. And it comes through that planting in the house of God. The favor of God can begin to come upon you. Number two, he says, that you'll bear fruit in old age. Amen. I I said there's two things I like here. Number one, fruit bearing is good. And notice here, old age. (laughs) There's probably longevity that comes from being attached to the house of God. You know, the world may toss out the old folks. But lay off the older folks. If you read the Bible, God loves using the over 100 crowd. I mean, he'll use you up into your 600s and 700s. And I mean, you can read that in the scripture. Didn't even use Moses till he was over 80. And so it says, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, you can begin to bear fruit 
in old age. That's one of the benefits. Number three, I like this one too. It says that uh, they shall be fresh. In fact, it literally means, if I took it out of the Hebrew, they'll be full of oil. They'll be full of oil. In fact, it's the imagery of the anointing. There will be a fresh anointing. Now listen, I believe God can anoint anytime, anywhere, any place, anything He wants. He's sovereign. He can do all of that. But I have found in my life that when I'm in the house of God, I position myself to receive fresh anointing. I can get fresh word. I can receive ministry. I can be filled up. How many of you know we need an oil change from time to time? I mean... Some of us are more concerned about our car getting oil changed than we are even making sure we get fresh oil in our life. There's a fresh anointing when you plant in the house of the Lord. Number four, it says again that they will flourish there in verse 14. The word flourish means green. Doesn't, doesn't mean you'll turn green. It just You're green. Green means healthy. They're spiritually healthy. I just, I'll just say it. I mean, folks that are attached are usually spiritually, doctrinally, relationally healthy. You can't, you can't be isolated. You can't be independent. You can't be going here, there, everywhere and, and not have just a tad bit of dysfunction operating in your life. I mean, healthy happens when you're connected to others who rub shoulders with you. There's a healthiness. They'll flourish, begin to flourish in life. Number five. I put down here, they'll receive fuel to move forward. What, is a, what does a tree need? What does a flower need by way of energy? It needs sunlight and it needs water. And I believe when you're planted in the house of the Lord, that's a good place for the pipeline to come through in order to begin to put those things in your life that will give you the fuel to begin to move forward. Number six, I believe when you're planted in the house of the Lord, there's a flow of God's Spirit. A flow of God's spirit that you can that you can link into. You know, Ezekiel, in that last chapter of the book of Ezekiel, we see a picture of his temple. And out of the out of the vision that he had of his temple, there was flowing out of it, it says, a river. Some of you will remember at first, I think it, it hits a man right about ankle level. And then later on, it hits him about knee level and then waist level until finally the Bible says that that in that vision, he gets to a place where where it's over his head in this water that's flowing out of the temple. And I honestly believe that the house of the Lord is a place where you can begin to enjoy the flow of God's Spirit, where there can be a a releasing of the Spirit of the Lord, where God can begin to touch your life and, and you can begin to access Him. And then finally, number seven I put down here, one of the benefits of planting is to enjoy the fellowship of other believers. I don't know how your yard looks. I'll tell you how my yard looks. I've got plants at various places in my yard, but but nowhere in my yard is there just this single plant that's just there all by itself. I have little little sort of, you know, what do they call those things? Give me the technical word, little uh, beds. That's the technical word for it. That's right. That's right. My mind is not as good as it once was. But But you know how it works. I mean, nothing sets alone. Most people, you know, they'll have three or four in an arrangement. They'll have plants in all sorts of different arrangements. And the point being is, is is that a singular plant just doesn't really cut it. I mean, if your whole lawn was just lawn and you had just one like daisy. 
I mean, it's not like you'd probably get yard of the month on that one. But what do we do? We say, no, we need a few of these here and a few of those there. And, and can I just say that, that God intended for us not to be this singular tree, but, but the trees of the field clap their hands. That there's a fellowship with other believers. I mean, this is like a garden here. And, and, and there's this fellowship that, that takes place when we gather together as the people of God. There's something, I want you to hear this again. Does God love you as an individual? Yes. Did he die for you as an individual? Yes. Will he work in your life as an individual? Of course he will. He knows you amongst the billions of people on the earth. All those things are true and amen. But we've got to get the revelation that there are things that God can do when we determine we want to be with the people of God. When we want to work his kingdom and his will out in the earth through a local church. There's something he can begin to do that will begin to transcend what we can do by ourselves. You know, there's a word they use in business that's called synergy. And it says that, uh, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. In other words, if, if you put one or two or three people together, they each can do something. Individually even, they each can do something. But if you put those three together... They can do something together that's even greater than if you added up one, two, and three. That's what that, that synergy is called. And I believe that's what works in the, in the kingdom of God. It wasn't one guy or one woman that came out of the upper room that converted all of Jerusalem almost that day. It was a group, 120 of them, who'd been seeking God and God moved on the group. It was a group that went into the promised land. I mean, these are things I think the Bible teaches us in order that you and I can begin to see that together, see, if one will put a thousand to flight, think about this. If one will put a thousand to flight, don't quote to me the verse. Okay, don't get the verse out of your mind for just a moment. Just think math for just a moment. If one puts a thousand to flight and you put two together, now, one equals one thousand and if one equals 1,000 and you put two together, then in the natural, what does that say? How many can two people put to flight? 2,000, right? If one will put 1,000, two would seem to be able to put 2,000 to flight. But that's not what the Bible says, does it? It says if one will put 1,000 to flight and two, what? 10,000. See, that's what synergy is. Synergy is understanding that it's not just my one plus this one. It's when my one and this one come into agreement, God gets involved in it and miracles begin to happen. See? See, it wasn't just 140 coming out of an upper room to get 140. It was 140 coming out of an upper room to gather 3,000. And two days later, they were able to get 5,000 families. In the first few chapters, it says that the Lord added to the church daily. But you get into chapters 8, 9, 10, and further on, it says God multiplied the church. See, that's the key when it comes to linking together. Now, uh, for those of us that live here in South Carolina, especially on the coast, um, we all know that our area is known for hurricanes. And we have gratefully uh, dodged in these last few years anything significant. And we're going to continue to believe that God favors us. We were talking as a family crossing the bridge the other day. And uh, 
You know, you know, I don't, I don't want to shake anybody, but you know, we're kind of overdue around here for an earthquake as well. You know that, right? And uh, and so we really do need. If any, if any city needs to keep seeking God and keep His hand of favor over us, I mean, it's Charleston, South Carolina, because because I'm just telling you, any moment God determines He wants to lift His hand, we can be in a world of hurt. But our area is known for having hurricanes on occasion. And most of us know that if it's a Category 1, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll weather it. A lot of people won't even leave. If it gets to Category 2, um, we'll start thinking about it. There are evacuations. And, of course, if you get 3, 4, or 5, I mean, those are, those are devastating windstorms that can come to our area. And we have had these giant hurricanes come through our area before. It's interesting to me, and, uh, and again, every illustration may... Uh, it may not be perfect, but it's interesting to me that there are places you can still go all over the area and you can still see these giant oak trees, hundreds of years old, that have withstood how many hurricanes? God only knows. And, and they've weathered it. It's not to say that there aren't some trees that get taken out. I, I understand the illustration probably doesn't doesn't fit perfectly down the line, but you can go places right now and you can see as tourist attractions, oak trees that are massively large that have withstood the test of time. The best that nature has had to throw at it, it has weathered it all. Well, how did they weather it all? Well, it's because they were planted and they were planted deep. And I want to read to you just this verse and I really believe it's our mission verse probably here at this local church isaiah 61 verse 1 I, I want you to listen to it all you'll recognize the first few passages but i want you to listen to the third verse in this passage because it really kind of ties up what i'm trying to share this morning isaiah 61 verse 1 it says this the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now listen to this. That they may be called, what? Trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. What's being said here is this, and that is that, that the call is to, to set people free, to bring them into a new existence, to bring them into a new life, to bring comfort to them, to bring them into a dawn of a new era, the dawn of a new day. And, and when you enter into that, the Bible says this, that you will be called trees of righteousness. Is it not true? And I'm just going to end with this. Is it not true? Some of you here, some of you that have that have journeyed with Trace and myself now for a number of years. Is it not true? Some of you have weathered some storms. Amen? I mean, some of you have had some real significant shots. We're talking things that would have taken out a lot of people. There, there have been those that probably would have cursed God and walked away. There are those that might have just said, it's not worth it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this loving God all out and living all out. And, and there are a lot of people that probably, if they would have been hit with what you were hit with, 
they probably would have just said, forget it. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm, 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 I'm not going to do it. Can I just encourage you one moment and say this? That because, because you weathered the storm, you can link it back to the fact you were planted in the house of the Lord. You weathered some storms because you planted in the house of the Lord. I know, I know they're Christian people. I'm not suggesting these folks aren't Christian people, but I know there are, there are Christian people who for whatever reason, whether it's their own personal doctrine or theology, or maybe they got hurt or burned or wounded, I don't know. They're, they're Christian people. They love God. Probably good people if you got to know them, but they don't weather storms so well. And I honestly believe the reason they don't is because they never got the revelation that they needed to be connected. If you're connected in a local church, connected in the house of the Lord. Listen, I understand. We're not the only church in town. I understand that. There are numbers of the house of the Lord in, in, our, in our city and in our town. But, but whether you connect with this one or not, you need to get connected. In fact, I'll do every, every pastor in town a great service right now. Every single pastor in town. This. Connect in a local church. Serve God in a local church. Love him in a local church. Worship in a local church. Link up in a local church. And what you will find is this. You will begin to do and experience things greater than you could have ever experienced it on your own. I'll promise you. I'll promise you. It'll happen. And we're just excited this morning that, uh, that we receive people, new members, into this local church. And I was just thinking about it and thought, you know why? You know why Satan exploits people to get offended at church? Listen to me. It's because if he can uproot you, he can cut you off from flourishing. If he can, if he can uproot you and, and get you cut off from God's favor and get you cut off from fresh anointing and get you cut off from being healthy and and, and, and focused and all the things that we said here. If he, you know what? He may not be able to steal your soul, but he will keep you perpetually frustrated. And you may not go to hell, but you'll live hell all the days of your life. So get connected. Amen. Stay connected wherever it is that God puts you. Don't, don't just transplant flippantly, but get the mind of the Lord on it. And I'll guarantee you great days are ahead. Amen. Stand with me, will you? Look at that. It's 1118 and pastor stopping. Amen. All right, guys, everybody has the instructions down, right? Trace and I got our wires crossed here this morning, so but we all have we all have that. So everybody knows where they're going and how this is working. All right, because we're going to. Enjoy fellowship together today. Amen. Therese, why don't you come up? Why don't you pray for the church this morning? We, we believe that... Uh, we have one, get one from uh, Laura. And let's just bless the people. And uh, just bless those that made that decision and what God's doing in our local church. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for the 
these precious people that have come in today into Legacy Church and have decided to plant. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. Lord, we thank you that as uh, as the Lord has spoken to the women's ministry of this church, Lord, this is the year of expansion. And Lord, I just see right now a palm tree that is planted deep, but yet but yet we, we know that the storms are coming in, so we have those extension poles that are coming out that are staking us down. And Lord, I believe that many of these people that, have, that are at Legacy today, Lord, that you are extending those stake posts out, Lord, and you are and you are firming them up and you are solidifying them, Lord, because this year is going to be an awesome year. It's going to be a year of growth. Now, Lord, we don't we don't know for sure that it won't be a year of some winds blowing, but Lord, sometimes we go deeper when the winds blow because we are staked down. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we aren't just a church, but Lord, we are a family. Legacy is a family. And Lord, I I, I thank you for that. I thank you that these people love Pastor and I, Lord, and we love them and they love each other. And we will go through everything together, no matter what the enemy might throw at us, that we are going to make it through and that this is going to be an awesome year. Lord, I thank you for our fellowship time today. Lord, I thank you that it's just going to be a time one more time to just get to interact and to fellowship and to unite souls for soul together. Lord, I thank you that you're going to bless the food, that you're going to bless the hands that have prepared it. And Lord, that this morning your name is going to be glorified. How is that going to be done? It's going to be done through our fellowship and that that we are going to give glory and honor to you through everything that we do and say today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Amen. And guys, they're going to put some they're going to put some music on here in just a second. So men find Ed. Guys, you can uh, the rest can be seated and enjoy some fellowship and we'll come back and tell you when it's all set and we're ready to go. God bless you.